0: Understood since the earth was founded. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings the princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground. Then He blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me and whom is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them by name. Because of His great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my cause disregarded by God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint." May the Lord bless the reading of this living word, and may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The word of the Lord this morning comes to a people who are exhausted, exhausted. A people who just want things to go back to the way that they used to be a people who want to just get all of this over with a people grieving so many things the loss of loved ones the loss of a nation and a culture the loss of meaning and purpose the loss of peace of mind. A people who lost faith in each other and maybe even lost faith in God. A people like us. Isaiah's words were written for a people sick and tired of living in exile. When that first generation was still living, they told tales of seeing their cities destroyed and their temples sacked and of being taken from their homes and marched across the desert to live as strangers in a strange land. And when they died, they passed down their stories, but also their angst. Even the babes felt the weight of struggling to live in circumstances so far from the way things used to be. Or the way things ought to be. They were like those of you who were children of young, or young adults who never knew a world before 9-11. Or those children and young adults who will never know a world before a global pandemic. They felt an existential heaviness. And it didn't feel like their God was lifting a finger to take the burden off of them. They began to wonder if the Babylonians were right. They began to doubt that the God of Israel was powerful enough to help them or that he even cared about them at all. Have you ever been there? I mean, I know none of us have been exiled, but have you ever been in that place where you're so tired of the way things are that you begin to lose hope that anything can really ever change? Do you feel that way right now? In this moment of despair, the prophet Isaiah asks, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? If you forgot, let me remind you, the One who created the heavens and the earth still sits enthroned on high. Isaiah seems to be saying, Don't you remember that God created everything you see and called it good? Don't you remember that God took what was formless and chaotic and a void and made it into order and purpose and meaning? Can't that God do this for you too? And if you've forgotten that story or if that story doesn't hold any meaning for you, then just go outside and look at these stars. Who created these? The Lord your God stretches the heavens out like a canopy and brings the stars out one by one, calling them by name. And because of His great power and might, He gathers them in His arms, not losing even one. Can the so-called gods of Babylon do that? The answer is no. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? The answer is no one. Isaiah tells the people, I know you feel weak and tired, weary and helpless, but even those Babylonian rulers that hold you in captivity are just like grasshoppers before the Lord. Their lives take root and grow and wither to be just as quickly blown away like the chaff in the breath of God. And the even better news is this. Your struggle is not hidden from the Lord. Your cause has not been disregarded. The Creator of the heavens and the earth is also mindful of you. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Hear the good news. The Lord who does not grow tired or weary renews the strength of those who hope in Him. That phrase, those who hope in the Lord, is the key to understanding this whole passage. Without it, we get nowhere. Our strength is only renewed when we hope in the Lord, when we trust in the Lord, when we wait on the Lord. The Hebrew has all three of those meanings in that one word. The exiles were tempted to put their hope and trust in many other people and many other things. Like nostalgia. The hope that if they could just get back to their land, then things could just get back to the way that they used to be. Or like progress, the hope if they could just have another chance at it, that they could make things better than they had ever been before. And in both of these hopes, what they were really hoping in was themselves. In their plans, in their dreams, and in their ability to accomplish them. But if you read the rest of the story of Isaiah, you will see that when they got what they wanted, it wasn't what they thought it would be. You will learn that all these other things and all the other people that they put their hope in left them just as weary and weak as before because they were idols just as impotent as the ones that they left in Babylon. When they finally got home, the hopes that gave the exiles purpose as they walked and energy as they began rebuilding their lives only worked for so long. They soon grew weary and weak in the midst of backbreaking work, disappointment, and conflict. If their strength would be renewed at all, they would have to find a way to hope in God alone, right then, right there, where they were in the rubble of their egos and of the temple. And my friends, The same will be true for us as we come out of our own exile and deal with the destruction wrought not only by this global pandemic, but destruction wrought by our trust in our own idols. We are weak and weary. This is what it means to be human. Isaiah says that we are like grasshoppers before the Almighty. Or like plants that Take root and grow up quickly and blow away in the chaff in the blink of an eye. That is not a curse or a reason for sorrow. It is simply the truth of who we were made to be finite, limited, imperfect. In other words, not God. We have been confronted with this truth painfully over and over again in these last 11 months. We've had to face the limits of our body to fight off a novel or new coronavirus. We've had to face the limits of our minds and the best science and medicine to understand it. We've had to face the limit of how many hours we have in a day or in a night to get things done and the limit of how many hours we can sleep or not sleep to continue to function. We've been confronted with the limits of our souls To make meaning of the death and destruction and disruption all around us. To process our immense grief without rituals of closure or the comfort of community. But we felt the pressure to push past these limits. Just to do our jobs and care for our families and just to keep putting one foot in front of the other. We're tired. And we don't have it in us to soar like the eagles or run like the youth. So we somehow just keep walking. But maybe walking is enough. Maybe that's the lesson we can take from Isaiah this morning. Because there is also a weariness of our own making that comes when we try to push past our God-given limits. When we try to do it all when we try to do it all on our own. We want to soar and run all the time even when our bodies and minds and hearts urge us to slow down, even when walking should really be enough. We profess our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but in the words of Parker Palmer, most of us are practically atheists because we don't actually believe anything good or worthwhile can happen in our lives unless we make it happen ourselves. And that goes for the the good and worthwhile quest to make a living and to take care of our families. But there is a limit to what we can actually do. And on a deeper level, it's about so much more. We work to make ourselves feel good and worthwhile. We work and when there's no work to do, we plan and we worry. A kind of busy work in our minds that keeps us awake at night trying to fill a void or heal a wound within us that can only be remedied by the work of God in us. I think I chose this passage from Isaiah from the lectionary this week mostly because I needed to hear it. Because as much as I tell you from this pulpit and in our conversations that you need to rest and that you need to take care of yourselves and let others take care of you, that you need to let God take care of you, I have to confess that I don't often practice what I preach. After Christmas, I was just exhausted. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. And as I was praying through a sleepless night, because exhaustion and restlessness can kind of go together, I realized that I, I didn't just need a vacation. But I needed to get serious and intentional about setting some new boundaries in my life. So I have been trying to go to bed earlier and drinking less coffee. I've been trying to turn off my phone when I get home and to leave work at work. I've been trying to take more afternoons with my son for what we call daddy Judah time. More mornings to walk my dog, more lunch breaks to read for fun, more time to cook meals that are interesting and challenging. I've been trying to take an actual full day off of work. And I've been trying to make time in my life to be with friends who I can share my full self with. All of my hurts and my hopes and struggles and triumphs and all of their messiness. And that last one might be the hardest one of them all because I would prefer to do it all by myself. I would prefer to take care of everybody else And not be vulnerable enough for anybody else to take care of me. But going in alone like that has just left me restless and weary. I took a walk with one of these friends last week and he said, you have to take care of yourself to sustain your ministry. And he was right. we had been talking about that. But I heard myself say back to him with my voice breaking, it's not just that. I am trying to rest because I am worthy of rest. And he looked back at me and he said, yes, you are worthy. And that's what it really comes down to. We are worthy of the love of God. We are worthy of the love of other people. And yes, even worthy of our own self-love. Not because we can earn it through our work or our accomplishment, but because we are human beings made in the image and sustained by the breath of God. And that is absolutely enough. As I read Isaiah speaking to a weary and faint people about a God who does not grow weary or faint, I noticed all of his references to the Creator and the creation And the repetition of the phrase from the beginning, and it got me thinking about Genesis 1 and 2. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the narrator tells us on the seventh day, God rested from the work He had done, finished the work He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on, on it God rested from all the work He had done. In creation. We tend to think of the sixth day as the pinnacle of creation. Because that's the day about us. That's the day when God created humans and gave them meaningful work to do in the world. But what if the pinnacle of creation is actually the seventh day when nothing happens? When God rests? And what does it mean that the Creator of the heavens and earth who does not grow tired or weary or faint like we all do, what does it mean that He chose to rest? What does it mean that it doesn't even take God's constant work to keep the world turning? And if the world doesn't need God to constantly work, does it need us to do that? I don't think so. God rested and commanded us to rest so that we would remember that we are not indispensable and that we are not invincible. To remind us that God is God and that we are not. But that's not just a a nice rhetorical point. When we cease our constant activity, when we rest, when we play, when we do those things that make us feel alive, when we share life with people that love us, when we do those things that make us feel close to God, we find the presence of a God who tells us that we are worthy of love. And that is the only thing that can renew our strength. Only God can do that for us. This has always been a one-step-forward, two-steps-back kind of journey for me, and I think it will probably be the same for you. It's actually much harder for me to practice moments and days of Sabbath than the ceaseless striving that I'm trying to leave behind. To rest is to resist the voices in our head and the voices in our culture that tell us that who we are is what we do and that we can't enjoy life until everything else is done. And it's to also even resist a Christian culture who says, All I need is coffee and Jesus. It's to resist the temptation, as Pastor, Associate Pastor Scholar Daniel put it, to ask God for rocket fuel to help us to keep going. We tend to just ask God's blessing on the over ambitious plans we already have for our days. Instead of waiting and hoping and trusting in the Lord in our weariness. But the truth is, to say yes to rest in God invites us, to rest that God invites us into means that we're going to feel weak rather than strong. That we're going to feel selfish and indulgent, maybe, rather than faithful. That we're going to feel less productive, and we're going to have to let go of the appearance of doing it all. It means we might be self-conscious about walking when it feels like everyone else is running and soaring. And it might mean that we have to let go of our expectations, especially in this moment. Those expectations and nostalgia that we can get back to something before this coronavirus pandemic if we just work hard enough or that we can use this moment to be better versions of ourselves and to be transformed and to come out of it better than we started. Expectations are exhausting. To take a step back might feel like we are losing our whole world, but in reality, it will actually be gaining our souls. In time, our strength will be renewed by the one Who holds us in the same hands that hold the stars of the sky? So, this morning, I want to ask you how do you rest? How do you play? What makes you feel alive? What brings you energy? Who could you spend time with that loves you well and that will care for you? What do you need to do to feel close to God? For some of us, it's hard to answer those questions because it's been so long since we've done something like that. What if I told you that taking time to do just one of those things today was what it meant to hope in the Lord? What if I told you that taking time to do one of these things today would be what it would take to keep walking with the One who calls you worthy of love? May it be so with all of us today because we are all worthy just as we are right here and right now. Amen.